Welcome to the Nanalyze podcast. We are a boutique media and research firm specializing in disruptive innovation. Visit nanalyze.com for more details. Kathy Woods Microcaps. We're going to talk today about the smallest stocks that Kathy Woods holds. She probably doesn't need an introduction. She's the CEO and founder of ARK Invest. Now, lots of people use the term small cap rather loosely, and I've put up here a classification of stock sizes that's fairly representative of what most financial experts would consider. So you have mega caps, large caps, mid cap, small cap, and micro cap there at the bottom, less than $300 million. Now, providers, index providers like MSCI, just use large and mid, which they call standard, and small cap, and then they refer to those slice and dice populations and refer to that as um, uh, the global investable market. So for all practical purposes, micro caps are companies that are less than $300 million and they also have nano caps. But for this presentation, we're just going to look at micro caps, although I think Kathy might be in one nano cap. Now, when we consider the size of stocks and the return, on the right here, you're going to see something that you may not be familiar with, and that's sharp ratio. And the way to think about this is that if you have a higher sharp ratio, that means that you took less risk and had higher return for that risk. And what this lower sharp ratio means, you can see for these micro cap indices, that means that you took on a lot of risk and that the return that you received wasn't commensurate to the risk that you took. So ideally, you want to maximize sharp ratio, and active managers often will be judged on sharp ratio because it shows the risk they took versus the reward they received. So for at least this analysis that Morningstar did, uh, it shows that microcaps aren't the best asset class for investors in terms of viewing those by sharp ratio. Now, this is also an interesting chart from Morningstar as well. It shows a microcap ETF that covers the Russell Microcap Index. And you can see that the fund held 1,440 stocks, but only represented 1.3% of the entire U.S. equity market. So when MSCI just uses you know, large, mid, and small, and then they consider large also to be mega, when they put all the stocks in the universe into those buckets, collectively, they represent somewhere around, you know, close to 99% of the investable universe. Now, it says here that indexing is difficult in the smallest, most illiquid segments of the market because transaction and market impact costs detract from performance. So here at Nanalyze, we've broken down uh, our size analysis into these buckets. You can see here and pause and, and read the descriptions, but I just quickly wanted to point out that we don't invest in stocks with less than a billion dollar market cap. So we consider small to be between $1 billion and $2 billion. That's the most risky uh, size categorization that we invest in. And of course, that means we only target having 5% of our disruptive tech portfolio in such stocks. Now, I wanted to quickly comment on taking inspiration from ARK. So the data taken for this presentation is from 8-29-2023. We took the 10 smallest stocks that ARK was holding. And of course, stock prices fluctuate. So 
That list could be off a bit, but it was at that point in time that we took the list. Our interest in this presentation is really to see what we're missing out on with that hard $1 billion market cap cutoff rule. And just some advice, don't read too much into the trades of an active manager because you're going to have a very difficult investing life if you're always trying to ape some active manager. Always put into context, people rarely do this, the position size, ARC's position size, as a percentage of their total AUM. And I'll give you an example of that. And then, this is very important, people can criticize you know, Kathy's investment and say, well, look how poorly it's performed, but it's not over until the fat lady sings. So until a stock has exited or gone bankrupt, you really don't know the outcome. Or until, of course, a active manager or any investor uh, sells that stock, then, of course, the outcome is locked in. Now, before we get into the four smallest, or say, we've taken the 10 smallest stocks that Kathy has, and we're going to cover the largest four today. So before we do that, um, I need your help, and that is to support this channel. We don't run ads, and that's because most ads pedal garbage to our audience. So since we don't run ads, the YouTube algorithms don't favor us, and um, our channel grows slowly. We need your help. Please subscribe, like this, share it with your friends. Thank you very much. So let's talk about four, the top largest four stocks of ARK's smallest set of 10. Here we have QuantumSci at $318 million. You'll say, well, that's not a microcap. It's over 300 Well, we wanted to provide a little buffer there, right? So we included QuantumSci. Then you have Vuzix, to you, Mark Forge. So let's start with the largest of the smallest. That's uh, Quantum Psi. Here you can see on the chart. I was confusing that with Quanterix. This is a piece that we did in June, checking in with seven proteomics stocks. So this isn't about what these firms do. You can read that piece, and, and we've done uh, quite a bit of research on proteomics to learn about the bull thesis and whatnot. But what we wanted to specifically talk about is ARC's position in quantum size. So a way to look up whether or not ARC is holding a stock, you have a website called Kathy's ARC. That works pretty well because we've verified that against actuals. Uh, or you can look it up manually. That's always best. And we do that just to cross-check the two. And as I said, put this into context. And this is a great example. ARC has $13.5 billion in assets under management. Their position in QSI, it's in one ETF, their genomics ETF, is $33 million. So you do the math, ARC's exposure is 24 basis points or 0.24%. Put that in context. If you had $100,000 and you had that exposure to QuantumSci in that portfolio, that would be about $240. So it's, it's very small exposure. Now, when we look at QuantumSci, they're one of three proteomics SPACs, and we did a recent piece on why SPACs crash, and it talked about why SPACs are, were such a bad idea and uh, how poorly retail investors were treated as a result of that bad idea. So here, another rule we have here at Nanalyze, we never invest pre-revenue, so we wouldn't consider investing in QuantumSci until they had at least $10 million in revenue per annum. So you can see here they saw revenue of $254,000 in Q1 of this year and $205,000 in Q2. So practically nothing, though it is something. And 
the next thing you'd want to do is to see what exactly those revenues are. Are they product or service? Would imagine their product. Uh, expect, they say, these revenues to accelerate in the second half of this year based on a robust business funnel. So we'll look forward to that. With cash on hand of $297 million and a market cap of $318 million, an investment in QSI pretty much gives you a, a free proteomics business, more or less. So uh, that's something to note. Or you can see it as we do, which is that the market doesn't have a whole lot of confidence in the future success of QSI's proteomics platform. So that brings us to the next company on our list, Vuzix. Several years ago, almost to date, we wrote this piece, is Vuzix stock a good buy? Probably not. Uh, in December, so this is from that piece, we said in December of last year, so that would have been in 2020, Vuzix traded at around $4 a share. Just three months later, the stock price skyrocketed to $28. That's an increase of 600%. Why? Because of the ARC effect. And this is a double-edged sword. So what happened is that when ARC was enjoying lots of popularity, when they went to invest in a stock, that act drove the stock price up. So what, event, what happened, and this is from that article, we said the efficient market hypothesis would tell us there was absolutely no reason for such a price spike, which means we can eventually expect shares to revert to the mean. Well, they did. Today, Vuzix shares trade at $4 again. But it's not the same valuation. That's very important. Take a look at this chart. Vuzix annual shares outstanding. Look, they've doubled since 2019. So, very important to uh, put this into perspective. You can't just look at share price and think that it's at the same valuation. Now, on the right-hand side, you see here their quarterly revenues. Looks like they've had the highest quarter ever, perhaps, the last one. So um, maybe they're finally starting to realize some traction. I'm not sure if uh, this may be something that we take another look at. If they can uh, sustain that growth, we'll certainly come back around for another look. They have about two years of runway left. $48 million in cash is a very small company, burning $24 million a year. That brings us to 2U. This was the only one of the four stocks we're going to talk about today that we haven't looked at. It was a new name to cross our radar. They had an IPO in 2020 that raised $300 million. They've built this online learning platform with revenue share model, and that's created some problems with their incentives because if they're on that sort of a business model, then they're incented to push this platform to students, and they've been uh, criticized for that. For example, you know, a program that might cost $100,000, but when you get out, you can expect a salary of $50,000. And of course, students need to have some accountability about their choices of major, but uh, be that as it may, growth stalled for this company, and that would uh, perhaps be a function of the RONA. Everybody was excited about online learning until they weren't. And then growth for this year is expected to be around 3%. But they have very strong gross margins of upwards of 70% there. There's controversy in their marketing process and the value add they provide. And last year, I saw that this was being probed by senators in terms of the student debt problem. So um, I'm not sure this is something that we would have much interest in, not just because of the size, but because I'm not you're entirely sure what they're doing is that disruptive and you need to then start looking at competitors or whatnot. But this isn't something that we would find much interest in. Now, this is a point I wanted to make about principal shareholder status. So a principal shareholder is a person or entity that owns 10% or more of a company's voting shares. And when you have that position size, 
That gives you significant influence over a company, allowing you to vote on appointing the CEO or board of directors. Kathy Wood has that principal shareholder status, and this was uh, from a piece that we did earlier this year, I think it was this, this summer sometime, uh, that looks at that status uh, that she has in various companies. And the one that we're going to talk about next, you'll see on this list, is Mark Forged. And we said perhaps Kathy has more interest in these names because of that large ownership position. Well, it certainly is going to give her some transparency, right? So she can go in and, and find out more information from these companies. Mark Forged is a firm that we covered here uh, in a piece, Metal 3D Printing Stocks, more recently this year, a bunch of broken promises. So this is a great example. Mark Forge anticipates 2023 revenues to be at least 101 million. Well, compare that to the 226 million the SPAC deck promised, and they're way under what they expected. And I've just highlighted here the quarterly revenues, and you can see how those are, uh, they aren't growing very much. So if you're going to be a disruptive growth firm, then at a minimum, you need to bring to the table some growth. Now, we're going to continue this presentation uh, and cover six of ARC's smallest stocks that are remaining. Uh, just to conclude here, uh, microcaps offer a lower sharp ratio. So as an asset class, we don't find them to be compelling. That's why we have our market cap cutoff. Beware of falling knives. So a lot of people will look at stocks that are quite uh, have become quite small and think there's value to be had there. Make sure that you invest in companies, not stocks. Now, I'm going to put up another video here that you might like to watch. Before you do that, please click the Nanalyze logo here on the right. Subscribe to our channel. Thanks so much for taking the time to watch this today. Thank you for listening to the Nanalyze podcast. If you found this information useful, please share this episode with a friend. This helps us to continue to provide thorough research for you. Want more research like this? Want to know what we're invested in and what stocks we're avoiding? Head to nanalyze.com and consider becoming a premium annual subscriber to get access to premium articles, webinars, and our extensive tech stock catalog. Thank you for your time.